Evening, everyone. So, yeah, as Michael said, over the past few months, we've been looking at the Apostles' Creed, hence the song, The Creed. And today we're on the line, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Now, this period is, of course, Freshers' period. I see loads of students here tonight. Back when I was a fresher, I remember going into the Freshers' Fair in the Students' Union not too far from here. um, And it was bursting with people all over and I saw on one particular aisle where there are stalls everywhere all the different people trying to invite you into their societies they had the Nerf Society and for those of you who don't know what Nerf is it's like a Nerf gun is rubber and plastic uh, bullet that goes in a plastic gun and you shoot and you run around and have a great time with your mates Uh, except these guys thought that they were the coolest people you've ever seen In this Nerf stall, they had a big table on which was laid some sort of plastic machine gun and ammunition trailing along the floor. I saw two guys with khaki trousers full of pockets stood there, plastic ammunition around their waist, massive sniper gun in their hand, goggles on. I thought they were so, so cool. And I think whoever organised that freshest fair was probably the most hilarious person ever because opposite them, literally where they were looking, was the Royal Marines who were... (laughs) clearly on a list of recruitment drive at the Freshers' Fair. Why do I tell that bizarre story? Well, simply to help us think about someone who is great, someone who is big, who is mighty, and who is wonderful. Now, unlike that Nerf society, God the Father doesn't have to pretend. He is great, he is big, he is worthy of all the glory and worship that you can possibly give him. He is the Father Almighty. And because of that, He is a firm rock on which we can stand day in and day out. Now, when we consider the doctrine of the Father Almighty, yes, we may go to the New Testament where we see God the Father interact with God the Son and God the Spirit, and that is great. But let's not also forget that God the Father has been intimately at work in human history for thousands of years, revealing himself to the people of Israel. And uh, over this past week, one of the things I've done is scanned the Old Testament for uh, things that I can talk to us about God the Father. Um, Thank you very much, Michael. Um, I've decided on three truths, if I could boil God the Father down to three simple truths that can help us pray better this evening. And actually, one of the main reasons why we have the Old Testament is so that we can look at such a mighty God, such an incredible God, such a worthy God, and think that is immense. How good is Jesus who comes later? So as we look at these three brief truths this evening, let's uh, pray that these will fuel our own prayers and our worship in a moment. So firstly, God the Father is sovereign. Now, we've heard a lot about sovereignty recently, haven't we? The Queen has passed away, she was the sovereign of the UK and so on. But in a bigger, in a higher sense, God is sovereign. Not in just the sense that he was king, that he was ruler, but that he was actually in control of everything, even to this very day and forever. And I chose God's sovereignty simply because it encapsulates not only his immense, infinite, majestic nature and his almighty power, but also his right to do whatever he wants. We are finite. God is infinite. We are limited. God is limitless. Our souls even had beginnings. But God existed in eternity past and he will exist in eternity future. That means that every single thing, the universe itself is in the palm of his hands. And nothing happens without passing his desk first. That's insane. 
that's impossible, right? How can such a being be so powerful? Well, not only because he has infinite power, but he also governs with infinite wisdom. I love in Isaiah chapter 55, God says this of himself. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God the Father is not only in utter control over all things, but each thing that comes to pass, no matter how great, no matter how terrible, is permitted by the Father in his infinite endless, unfathomable wisdom and goodness. As I said earlier, God's sovereignty not only encapsulates the Father Almighty's power and endless wisdom, but also his right to do whatever he wishes. I love in Ezekiel chapter 1, we see this beautiful picture in heaven. It's written in the context of exile, in the context of weakness, national defeat and depression. And in this scene, Ezekiel has a vision of God sitting on the throne. And angels worshipping him. And I love that. Everything God has made is his. And ultimately will bow the knee to him. We see in Genesis 1 that he creates the world. We see in Job that he sustains the world. No matter how big or small. Therefore, let's trust him. Let's trust him in our uncertainties because they're not uncertain to him. God the Father is on the throne. He's sovereign. And he governs your life, my life, with power and with good, good wisdom. Secondly, God the Father is holy. You might see such a scene of the immortal, unchallengeable Father God and think that is terrifying. And yeah, it is. But you might go further actually to say, I don't like that. That sounds like a mean puppet master kind of God who looks down from his high and lofty position like an angry king. Or a judgmental father. And sometimes describing the first person of the Trinity as a father can be difficult for some people who may have had abusive or neglectful fathers. But what if I told you that the God, the Father of the Bible, is entirely good, entirely pure, entirely gracious, kind, and without fault? And because he is so pure and good and wonderful, he cannot stand anything less. He hates wrongdoing, he hates sin, he hates injustice, he hates lies, he hates impure thoughts and impure desires. So much so that the angels around him fall at their feet before God on the throne and they cry, holy, 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 which simply means set apart. Those things can't come anywhere near God in his purity and goodness. Now when we see the Father's holiness as well as his might, as we've just learned, it's easy to see how vastly unworthy we are in comparison to this God, am I right? We are unclean. We are impure. Therefore, therefore, let's approach God humbly, recognizing our own unworthiness. But how do we actually approach such a God if he is indeed worthy? Because we're sinful, we're weak, we are unworthy. If we're worthy of anything, it's of judgment because of our own sin. Not to come into his presence. And that brings me on to the third Thing, the third lesson about God the Father that we see. He's loving. More than that, God the Father has a love for you that is deeper than you can possibly imagine. In Exodus, God reveals his glory to Moses who says, show me your glory. And of all the things that he could have shown Moses about his glory, his character, he says this. 
the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. The Father sees your sin. He sees my weakness. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And because of his great mercy and love for you, God the Father sent God the Son to die for you, taking on Jesus all the sin and guilt that offends him and destroying it forever. Now God the Son stands before God the Father representing you, representing me. And let's not, though, for one moment think that God the Father is tight-fisted and the Son has to go up to him and prize his hands open to give us blessing, to give us salvation. No, God delights to give. He delights to bless. He delights to love and to forgive. He's the one who sent Jesus to come for us. So unlike the Nerve Society, who could only pretend to be strong and to be epic and to be worthy of the praise, our Father is almighty and worthy, and a firm rock on which to stand. He's sovereign, so let's trust him. He's holy, so let's be humble. And he loves us entirely. So if we put our faith in Jesus, let's come to him boldly, with great joy, and live our lives for him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are sovereign. And you govern this world with your power and your wisdom. Thank you that you are holy and that you are worthy of praise. And thank you so much that you love us entirely to stoop so low and rescue us from our pit. Help us, God, as we turn to our prayers in a bit to worship you and to pray to you with a new sense of joy in Christ. A new sense of humility and a new drive to live for you, Father God each and every day. Amen.